And we're back and we're off. Rogue Table Talks, number 95. Uh, I don't have any, I don't have anything for 95. No. There's no, there was Ocho Cinco, but there's no nine. Yeah, 95. I did join the Calvary staff in 1995. There you go. Now that I think of it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's kind of an anniversary there. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was a sophomore in high school. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's depressing. I'm home. Yeah. When you were in South Carolina, yes? Texas. Texas. I was in Amarillo. Oh, okay. Yes, sir. So we didn't, when did you go to, didn't you not go to South Carolina? In, co- uh, in college. I did two years uh, in Texas right. and that's then that's two right. years that's right. in that's right. that's South right. Carolina. Okay. Yeah, you're sophomore, sophomore in high school. Um, yeah, so um, we are launching, we're still launching into... Uh, this journey of knowing uh, Jesus, Jesus' life, and... Hey, Mike, how, 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 how long is this series? Is this a longer uh, series? Is diving into the life and ministry? Um, Essex, I think it ends at Easter, actually. Oh, does so it? So it's been... I don't know how many how many weeks it's been. So it's been longer than normal. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it ends at Easter. Uh, and then we're going to go into, I think, a neighboring... Um, you know, idea. Oh, all right. Uh, like yeah. So, um, but we're going to talk about extravagance. Mm-hmm. We have a we have a, a an incidence of extravagance about which we need to speak. Um, and uh, so that's kind of what I want to start. Like, what when it comes to our Christian living, oh, what is what is extravagance? Um, what's too far? What's too much? Um, does that even make sense? Like, uh, uh, there was a when I was growing up, or I was in high school, you know, high school, college—I don't remember high school, college, somewhere in there—and uh, you know, it was it was after I obviously became a believer. It was this church, and there was this couple in our church that were both finishing their studies to be doctors and they were doing that so then they could after having done all of that work and spending all of that money they were going to go in the jungle as missionaries and be doctors Hmm. and there was a sense of man that's a little over the top (laughs) (laughs) you know what I'm saying yeah (laughs) Yeah. like that's a lot of that's a lot of something that I don't even want to think about having. Right. Right. Or something. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, like, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like you see yeah, some totally. people and like, okay, whatever, 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 dude, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a little zealous. We're, we're going to sell our house and give our money to the poor and we'll, we're going to be homeless. That's what God called us to. <laughs> right. Or yeah, we're going to move, uh, you know, into the inner city and, you know, we're going to send our kids to inner city school. You know, whatever it is, they're like, oh, wow, okay. I'm not. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Yeah. That's, you know, we'll pray pray for you and have a, right. have a send-off. I'll give $10 a month to your fund. But, <laughs> um, yeah, so there's something that almost makes, makes us nervous or uncomfortable, I mm-hmm. think. 
or at least there's an element of that around, you know, somebody, somebody we know decides to go to the mission field or whatever. And, I, you know, I got a little bit of this when, when, you know, when we used to go to Africa, you know, a couple of people like, you know, you know, why, uh, basically, why not just solve problems here? Um, you know, why go there? And there's this almost a sense of, does it make you feel weird that we're going to Africa that you should be doing? I mean, if you should be doing more, do more. It's got nothing to do with us going to Africa. But then I feel the same sort of thing with, huh, that's a lot of something that I don't want to have, to be honest. Um, and so there's that phenomenon. And then there's the other phenomenon about where's the, where's the minimum, like where's the maximum of devotion or whatever that's sort of in the normal range you know and then where's the minimum amount of obedience that i need to get over the line this this you know this came up this comes up sometimes in high school youth groups like what's the limit of you know what physical affection is allowed with your boyfriend or girlfriend like where's the <laughs> limit mm-hmm. uh, that's and, the you every youth pastor's plight right. keeps them up at yeah. night right right well can we do this <laughs> but uh, i think that's 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 a conversation that spans in different you know um areas of life and areas of different ages like well how much alcohol can i drink can right. I not drink like what's what is indulgence what is overindulgence what's under it you know what's minimalism like what, what's the best way right or wrong way and i think most of us uh probably go somewhere in the middle of moderation and therefore when we see these what we may call extremes of someone going above the maximum or going under the minimum it it does make us something nervous mm-hmm. uncomfortable right. well that's not what i'm doing it makes it me, at least makes me question do I need to change something? Like, mm-hmm. is there, am I missing something? And maybe right. I am, maybe something does need to shift. I don't know, maybe I'm playing it too safe, but I do think it causes us to question uh, our choices and whatever flow we're in. Yeah, I think that's the key point. I think the reason it makes us uncomfortable because we're afraid it reflects on us poorly in some way, mm-hmm. uh, or the reason it makes us feel smug is because well, I'm, at least I'm not doing that, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, back when culture was a bit more monolithic, you know, here, there were sort of rules. I mean, people solved this problem by having, you know, the minimum is, you know, you go to church, uh, you know, you, you serve, <clears throat> serve every once in a while, uh, you know, you don't drink, you don't go to movies or r-rated movies or whatever the you know play cards or dance or whatever like you stay in this and as long as we all stay in this acceptable range this is what cultural christianity looks like um and of course we don't have those rules as strongly in our culture now and so it's a bit uh i think it's a bit more disorienting but you know one of the things I, i we all can understand you know somebody who seems to be doing something we wouldn't do when it, you know, kind of below the minimum, that's one thing. But the thing that interests me, like for this morning, or as we're talking, is what's a, you know, like where's the line that, okay, well, I don't, I don't have to do that. I mean, nobody I know does that. I mean, that's a little much, you know, and wh- you know what that, and what, what is that? 
And you know, uh, to kind of illustrate this point, you know, there's this there's this episode, John chapter twelve, um, where Mary anoints Jesus. Um, and let me just read the passage. We'll talk about it. John 12, starting in verse 1, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, uh, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was the thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. Uh, so there's this party. So it's six days before the Passover. It's two weeks, basically, before Jesus is, is going to be crucified. Um, or no, less than two weeks, uh, before he's going to be crucified. And, uh, there's this party, which is an interesting party because Lazarus, who used to be dead, is there mm -hmm. <laughs> reclining. Right. Just to name a few of the, uh... just, just the little side Lazarus, whom Jesus raised from the dead. That's a different story. Anyway, <laughs> this guy that used to be dead is here at the party. Uh, and there's Mary and Martha. So it's, you know, we talked about that, that episode where the interaction with Mary and, and Martha and Lazarus when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And, you know, here's this party given in Jesus's honor. And all these people are there. And here in this public setting, Mary comes and does this extravagant act. Uh, you can kind of picture, you know, everyone stops talking. I mean, you, you know, it doesn't say this, but you can kind of picture it in your mind. You know, party, people talking, this, that, conversations going on, food being served, whatever. And then she comes and takes this perfume. Um, you know, maybe it's after everyone's eaten, you know, kind of trying to set the scene. And she breaks open this, this, this vial of perfume or jar that it says is worth a year's wages. So I don't know if you want to translate that to, you know, to middle-class America. What is, you know, if it's someone who's not, you know, doesn't make a whole lot of money, what, you know, you know, 30,000, 40,000 a year, whatever the median income. It's, so it's, it's a lot of money, in other words. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, in that economy, it's a lot of money. Uh, and she basically pours it out on Jesus' feet, wipes, you know, wipes his feet with her hair, and I imagine everyone kind of just stops talking. Uh, and then Judas Iscariot, whom John has a few things to say about, uh, you know, the guy, yeah, that's the guy who's later be to betray him, if you've not gotten this far in the story. Uh, and 
and he objects because he's a thief, you know. Um, there's probably a whole interesting, um, you know, did John always know Judas was a thief? Did they find out later? Uh, anyway, um, you know, he objects. And like this is basically, this is extravagant. This is too extravagant. This is, this is over the line. Uh, right? Mm-hmm. Is that basically what Judas is saying? Like this is a waste. Right. Um, you could have done some good in the world with this is what he's saying, even though John says it's not really what he's saying. But, um, you know, that's, this is inefficient. This is not, uh, you know, not the way to do things. Uh, and he's probably not the only one right. thinking that. Yeah. Even though his motives are not, don't reveal his, you know, that that's his genuine objection, but it's, probably a fair sentiment to be shared around the room like what what is going on and it's not completely unreasonable i mean yes the money that could have been sold and the money could have been given to the poor in that hypothetical uh yeah that would have uh helped a bunch of poor people maybe um and she's using it here for what seems like a wasteful thing like it doesn't seem to make any sense from a material point of view, um, and he objects. Uh, And so, you know, I guess what do we do with, you know, what do we do with that? Like what, um, do we sort of understand the objection? And, you know, what do we feel about this sort of extravagant thing that seems like a wasteful thing to do? you know, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, like, if we don't have the reason Judas is saying it, if we're really honest, we probably agree with Judas's sentiment. Like, you're going to take $40,000, $60,000 of something, and you're going to dump it out. And in the name of Jesus, you're going to light this money on fire in front of everybody. Part you know that's a mm-hmm. you know a, a exaggeration, but you're not getting it back. It's not going to anything, mm-hmm. except that it's going towards his anointing, foreshadowing his burial, right. uh, which we don't quite know. So there's that. But yeah, I think in my head I'm like, yeah, why why don't we do some good with this? Like we should do something with that money, and that that just seems real extravagant. What what am I doing? Like, have I done anything like that? Um, right. That's part of it. It's like, that seems over the line. Like if I had that perfume, I don't think I would do that with it. Uh, and I think that's part of, you know, what's going on here. Part of Judas's objection. And you're right. Probably the objection of other people there, uh, as well. Cause it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make sense. And yet Jesus says, leave her alone. Um, it was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. So there was a, in the larger story, in the divine plan, this makes sense is what he was saying, that this actually isn't nonsensical. In the bigger picture, it makes sense. And, you know, just like, um, you know, what, just like the, 
couple who studied medicine. Okay, that doesn't seem to make sense to go to all of that time and expense and work and effort to become doctors uh, and, and then just to go to the jungle. That seems like, okay, that's that. But in the bigger story, it actually, it does, it does make sense or, or, or it can make sense uh, that, you know, it could be that it's actually God's plan that somebody studies medicine so that they can go to a third world country and practice it and not, you know, not make the money back that they spent to get their degree and all of that stuff. Uh, in the bigger story, it, it's possible that it does make sense. Uh, and without that, I mean, people becoming missionaries, people going to the jungle, I mean, all of that, none of that makes any sense. Well, that's, right? that's partially what I think we need to address too, is like, it does make sense in the bigger story. And then there is the bigger part of the bigger story that we just don't understand in that sense, it doesn't make sense. Like yeah. there's going to be something extravagant is going to challenge our logical categories of, okay, well, that's illogical. Surely we could have done something different with that. And I understand it's applied for Jesus and his burial. And yet even there's, even though there's a reason, it still seems out of some category that it's, it's over the top devotion. It's, it's in, you know, who knows if it's spontaneous or not? I don't know. It could be calculated or spontaneous. That doesn't really matter. What it is, is um, it is above and beyond. It's beyond sacrifice. It's, it's like what that that's a lot. And so I think there's this category of when we see that it doesn't quite make sense to us mm-hmm. to, to, to see this type of generosity. It doesn't quite make sense to us when people choose a life of that makes us, you know, poverty or lower income or danger they choose a life of danger for the sake of the gospel that definitely doesn't make even though we get it quote unquote get it for the larger story it doesn't make sense to us with our western mindset Mm -hmm. um so i think there's that that part of it too of like yeah that's just not going to make sense and jesus seems to be not seems to be he defends her Mm -hmm. you know he he leave her alone leave her alone alone. it reminds me of uh uh I think you'll appreciate this. This is uh, the return of the king when Pippin pledges his allegiance to Gondor, to the steward of Gondor. And you won't really see, it doesn't quite portray it in the movie, but in the book, um, Gandalf is there with him and Pippin pledges his allegiance there. And then they're talking about it afterwards. And Gandalf basically says, I don't know what put it in your head or your heart to do that, but it was well done. I did not hinder it, for generous deed should not be checked by cold counsel. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not, I don't know if Tolkien had this passage in mind uh, mm-hmm. or, or something like it, but I, I, I'm always reminded by that, especially with sometimes my kids come up to me and they're like, I heard about this need at school and I'm going to give this kid blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, uh, I, I mean, that doesn't make sense. Like that, I think, I think somebody else should take care of that guy. <laughs> right. But, but literally right. this, this passage is in my mind of what Gandalf says. It's like, I, okay, I, why would I stop something mm-hmm. extravagant just because it doesn't right. make sense to me? Right. Yeah. I think that's right. And I do think partly because we don't want to feel like we're obligated to commit a generous act. So we explain it away. And I, and I think 
Um, I think that I, I think we can extend the point pretty safely to a lot of other things that seem like I think the Lord is leading me to walk up to this person and say hi or ask them if I can pray for them. Well, that's weird. That's over the line. That's like light there. And it is sort of, I mean, it, it is, it's out, you know, it is sort of that. Uh, it's it's a sense of an extravagant act, and then we give ourselves the I mean, we talk ourselves out of it. We give ourselves cold counsel. Okay, well, okay, well that's, that's good. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know how how many generous deeds have I checked on myself because I gave myself cold counsel? My old cold counsel. It'd yeah. be like you know, I should take this perfume and anoint Jesus for his burial. Yeah, but everyone's going to think that's super weird. Mm. And that's a lot of money. And I don't know. I'll just wish him well. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, right? Yep. Yep. That's what we do. That's so true. And I think there's a certain amount of extravagance that's like if we don't have any extravagance and it's not necessarily about money or anything, it's extravagant obedience or extravagant trust or extravagant something I don't think we're growing uh, as because it, it requires some sort of commitment to this bigger story <clears throat> in which this act that I'm about to do doesn't make sense unless I'm committed to I'm actually in this bigger story. Uh, and it doesn't make sense, but it does make sense. Yeah. Um, and I think that's there is this sense of I think we're less worried about the minimum anymore because I guess we're comfortable not having one or something. But there is this sort of, like, if I'm not pushed beyond what I would do normally do or other people around me might normally do, there's probably something there that I need to think about, that I'm probably giving myself cold counsel. And do I ever give other people cold counsel, you know? Um, I think so. I think I give myself cold counsel because um, I... I want to be comfortable. There's probably a level of ego in it. I, I, you know, I don't want to make a scene. I don't want people to think that it's about me. I mean, there's so many reasons she could have said, well, people think this is going to be all about you. Right. People, you know, they're going to think you're making a scene and you, you're overinflated your importance and you, oh, wow, look at you. You're going to give this. It's not anonymous. This right. is not it's an anonymous gift. Right. This is in front right. of everybody. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of reasons. And then we probably, you know, we talk ourselves into a level of stagnation and comfort. Um, and then we may not even realize that that's the voice we would use to somebody else. Because mm-hmm. just simply because that makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. Like if Mary comes up to us, I feel like I, I need to take this $40,000 perfume and anoint Jesus. Like if we were her contemporary, what would we be say? Right. Right. You know, would we be tempted to say, really? Huh. <laughs> you know, and uh, you talked with your financial advisor. <laughs> right. You talked to him about your hopes and dreams for the future. Uh, you you misheard yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, it, that's there's there's that it, it does remind me. I think I mentioned this earlier podcast. We watched the a Hidden Life, you know, Malik's latest movie. Mm-hmm. where this guy's basically extravagant obedience that he could have not served. He, basically, he was offered the ability to serve as an orderly in a hospital, not serve in combat for the Nazis. 
But to him, in order to do that, he still officially had to swear allegiance to Hitler, and he wouldn't do it. Mm. And everyone in his life is trying to say, okay, this doesn't, that doesn't make sense. Listen, everybody knows you're not elite, you know, whatever. Everybody knows. It doesn't mean anything. Just sign the paper and you can live. Uh, you cannot be executed. Uh, just sign the paper, everyone, whatever. And he, he felt like, you know, his act, and that's another thing about the extravagant act. It doesn't necessarily, the same extravagant act doesn't necessarily translate to, you know, other people wouldn't make sense if eight people brought perfume. Um, so, but everyone else was made extremely uncomfortable. You know, the bishop, all these other people who tried to talk him out of it. You could pretty much tell his extravagant obedience indicted them in some way that they were not comfortable with. And they wanted him to live, but they're like, I think a lot of it was, this makes me feel uncomfortable, that I wasn't willing like I signed the paper and didn't even think about it. I stood, you know, whatever, and swore an oath of loyalty, and I, and I didn't even really think about it. And you're willing to die, uh, and that seems well. That's over the line. That's a little much. That's crazy. Um, and so yeah, I guess I don't. I mean, I guess there's, the, uh, you know, we're making an argument in a sense for extravagance, um, for. You know, where am where am I? Uh, where am I living extravagantly for Jesus? What does that even mean for me? Um, let's talk a bit about Jesus says something else that's sort of mm, I don't know. I don't know how it's just, you know it's somewhat controversial. Eh, yeah, you will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Well, you can't. You can't based on this and a couple other conversations, you can't really lock Jesus in wholesale to an agenda or a party or something like that because he just, he just, it just, it doesn't work. You're going to find too many contradictions in that. And so obviously we know that Jesus cared about the poor. Obviously we know Jesus cared about the lost and the outcast and the marginal. That's the people he, he primarily hung out with. Mm -hmm. um, it was them. Now, yeah. he wasn't a snob to the rich people, though. If you look at this passage, um, to me, it's pretty clear. Uh, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha have wealth. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a level of wealth here. It's a dinner party. A large amount of people came. They can host them. She's giving up, you know, money. I'm sure it's still a sacrifice, but they have, they have wealth. So Jesus didn't, you know, it wasn't opposed to the the wealthy people either. In fact, John's gospel, one of the themes there is his gospel to the wealthy because Nicodemus is wealthy. Mm -hmm. uh, there's Joseph of Arimathea uh, in mm -hmm. John's gospel. But in Luke's gospel, it's very clear that Jesus cares about the marginalized and the poor and uh, injustice and all of those things. And yet he's got this statement that I'm not always going to be here and the poor will always be here to take care of for you to take care of. And my death on the cross is coming soon. So this, this was the right thing that she did. Yeah. And I think that's the key point. He's not saying the poor don't matter. He's saying for all of time leading up to now and for all of time after the next few days, you should be taking care of the poor. 
-hmm. The poor you will always have with you to take care of. But right now, in this part of the story, it was intended, it was God's will, you know, she was led by God in some way to do this thing, to anoint him for burial. It fits in this part of the story. It makes sense. Uh, not on an everyday basis, but today, here and now, here we are. This makes sense. And tomorrow, you should go back to taking care of the poor. Mm. Uh, and it's not a statement of... I mean, he's sort of saying... Um, God is about to die for the sins. This is a big deal. Mm -hmm. This is a once in, you know, the entire space-time continuum event uh, that, you know, the Savior of the world is about to die for the sins of the world. She's recognizing the moment. Um, and I think it's, it's, you know, so it fits. It does, it's, it maybe wouldn't always make sense. Maybe it wouldn't ordinarily make sense, but right here and right now it makes sense. And then you should go back to take care, taking care of the poor. Uh, and I think that's, um, so that's easy to miss. And I think sometimes we miss it because, again, I think I've said this before, we put Jesus, it, we, like, I wouldn't say that. But, it, you know, the poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have Mike. <laughs> yes, right. I wouldn't say that. You wouldn't say that. Uh, I, I hope we would never leverage that for a church organization. Mm -hmm. You know, you you need to give to the church. Don't worry about the you know. I, Such a time as this, my people, right, right here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Exactly. That's never been done. Um, <laughs> but I think that you know he's saying if you. Uh, if you don't, un you know, she understands what's really happening. That's another part of, you know, what she understands where we really are in the real story. And some of you are maybe forgetting. Uh, and yeah. in a sense, the couple who were studied medicine to go in the jungle, there's something they understood that it's important for us to consider. And we're not all going to study medicine, go to the jungle, but we should, what is my extravagance? That's a good question. Do our generous deeds or lack of generous deeds uh, reflect on whether we actually think there's a larger story or not yeah, and that we're right. a part of it, that there's something yeah. bigger going on? Yeah. And, you've, you know, you've talked about functional atheism <clears throat> and this, you know, we live as though we're not in a big story a lot of the time. Yep. And we want to take this big story of our of our faith and squeeze it down into our smaller story and in order to do that you know here's the minimum line here's the maximum line here's the acceptable range you know and this is where we should stay uh and you know i i think it happens in all sorts of ways big and s small uh you know somebody who has the ability to you know high school student has the ability to go into this field and make a certain amount of money and if they told their parents, you know, I don't know, I want to be a social worker and help people. Mm -hmm. What would what would you say? Like, if that's your kid, and you're like, yeah, but you're great at science and math, and you know, you could be a doctor or you could be an engineer or whatever. Um, it's you know, whatever. It, I just think it's it's probably this sort of thing seems like a just a one off story, but I do feel like we struggle with. A sort of a regular on the on the regular um 
other people's extravagance might make me feel strange and my I don't want to be extravagant I mean I, bottom line here's the bottom line I don't want to be extravagant I want to be in the acceptable range and just you know I don't know live my life <laughs> well we, we want I think you know we we want calcul- I want to be calculated right. and exactly. I want to be to know what I can expect on the other side. So I'll I'll give, um, but it's going to be calculated and it's going to make sense. Um, And that's not bad, right? There's this regular care for the poor or these regular things that we do. But I think there's really something here for us, especially as we push to midlife and past midlife. Um, We tend to take less risks, I think. Mm -hmm. We tend to to stop pressing ourselves outside of the comfort zone. So... So we love, we love teenagers and youth groups because, oh, look how passionate they are. And look, they're so idealistic. And well, what are we really saying? We're really saying like, I, I wish maybe I had some of that right now. Uh, but, mm-hmm. it, but to do that would make me uncomfortable. So I think there's something here about, you know, the old con- conversation of the comfort zone, of pushing mm-hmm. past our comfort zone and intentionally um, paying attention to whatever God's spirit might be leading or inviting us to and and maybe we fall and maybe we fail and maybe we risk something and it doesn't work and and it's a great big learning process but maybe that's the exact step we needed to take uh mm-hmm. to go somewhere yeah and i think um i do feel like to expand this notion of extravagance you know, obviously you can't give a gift like this every day because then you'd run out of them uh, and that's not really the notion, but I do feel like we're asked to be extravagant. You know, Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you got to deny yourself, die to yourself, say no, pick up your cross, you know, living sacrifice, as Paul says, that, you know, there's going to be an extravagance of grace required of me towards another person who completely, you know, shouldn't be getting it. Extravagance of forgiveness, an extravagance of understanding an extravagance of patience. Like all of this stuff is part of transformation, none of which makes sense in the small story. And, you know, so I think that's, you know, maybe the question we leave ourselves with, um, you know, as we, as we come to the end here is, you know, what, to what extravagance am I called? You know, it, it was intended that she give this gift. What is it intended for me to do? What does that look like for me today, this week, this month? And it's not going to be necessarily some big public thing because, you know, then it just becomes ordinary. But there is going to be an extravagance of something, something that's over our line that we must be transformed and empowered by the Spirit to do. Uh, And otherwise, I don't think we'll be becoming more Christ-like. We won't be being transformed. Uh, unless we're pushed beyond. So that's the question I think I have that we'll leave everyone with is, you know, where is, what is intended for you when it comes to, this was intended for Mary, what is intended for us when it comes to extravagance? And what's that going to require of us? And how can we spur one another on to be extravagant? Um, So with that, uh, we'll close it for this week. Grace and peace. Thanks for listening to Rogue Table Talks, a Calvary Church Media Productions podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.